0: Hello, this is Supriti from newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Tuesday, the 7th of December. India recorded 6822 COVID-19 cases and 220 linked deaths in the last 24 hours. The total COVID tally stands at over 3 crore 46 lakh, while the death toll crossed 473,000. So far, India has administered over 128 crore COVID vaccinations, of which more than 79 lakh doses were given in the last 24 hours. The Indian Medical Association, at a press conference today, urged the central government to announce additional doses of COVID vaccine for healthcare frontline workers, as well as immunocompromised individuals, amid concerns over cases of the Omicron variant of COVID-19. Mumbai recorded two more cases of the Omicron variant yesterday, taking Maharashtra's tally of Omicron cases to 10. India has recorded 23 cases of the variant so far. The Indian Express today quoted the Karnataka Health Minister, Dr K Sudhakar, emphasising the importance of vaccinations, as the five contacts of the man in Bengaluru, who was found infected by the Omicron variant, showed no symptoms of the disease, as they are all fully vaccinated. Globally, COVID-19 has infected over 260 million people, claiming the lives of nearly 5.2 million. The World Health Organization today made strong recommendations against the use of blood plasma in treating people who don't have serious COVID-19 symptoms. It also stated that even for patients with severe and critical illness, This treatment should only be given as part of a clinical trial. The WHO stated that its latest recommendations were based on evidence from 16 trials, including 16,236 patients with non-severe, severe severe and critical COVID-19 infection. In the United States, New York Mayor Bill de Blasio yesterday announced a blanket COVID-19 vaccine mandate for the private sector. This order goes further than a nationwide mandate set by President Joe Biden that requires companies to vaccinate workers by 4th January. De Blasio cited the emergence of the Omicron variant, a cold winter weather, and holiday gatherings for this preemptive measure. A total of 15 states in the United States, including New York, have reported cases of the new Omicron variant. The Supreme Court today rejected the National Investigation Agency's plea that had challenged the default bail granted by the Bombay High Court to lawyer activist Sudha Bhardwaj in the Bhima Korigao case. The bench hearing Solicitor General Tushar Mehta's petition challenging Bharadwaj's bail today comprised justices UU Yu Lalit Ravindra Bhat and Bella Trivedi. Sudha Bhardwaj, who had been in jail since 2018 in the Bhima Korigau case, was granted bail by the two-judge bench of the Bombay High Court on 1st December. She was to approach the NIA for final modalities about her release and bail conditions by 8th December. However, on 3rd December, the NIA challenged the order in the Supreme Court. Further on, on Monday, Mehta had requested the Chief Justice of India to list the petition for urgent hearing. Bar and Bench reported that today, the Supreme Court mentioned that it had no reason to interfere with the Bombay High Court's order. The court added that the Solicitor General of India could have requested the Special NIA Court for an extension of time for inquiry and detention of Bhardwaj. The court asked the Solicitor General, and I quote, When special courts manned by special judges were in existence, then why did you make this application for an extension before a magisterial court? End quote. Sudha Dwaj was among the 16 activists, lawyers, and academicians who had been arrested in the Bhima Koregaon case. This case pertains to caste violence in a village near Pune in 2018 that led to the death of one person while leaving several others injured. The Pune police had charged the people in the case with waging war against the nation while spreading the ideology of the CPI Maoist, which further led to caste conflicts in the society. In February this year, a United States-based digital forensics firm had found that at least 10 incriminating letters were planted on the laptop of one of the accused, Rona Wilson. Further on, in July, it emerged that in a similar manner, evidence was also planted on another detainee, Surendra Gadling's computer. The continued imprisonment of activists and academicians in the Bhima Korigau case, based on allegedly flimsy evidence, has been criticised by various members of civil society. Listeners, before I move on, I would like to recommend you to read a news laundry series by my colleague Akansha Kumar on the case against journalist Siddiqui Kapan filed by the Uttar Pradesh police. He was charged with the UAPA last year when he was on his way to cover the Hathras incident. In part 8 of her series, Akansha explains how, as evidence against Kappan, the UP police used screenshots of social media posts and articles from The Wire and the BBC. They even used comments of some people against the RSS to make their case against Kappan. You can read the full report on our website, newslaundry.com. It is titled, Why did UPSDF include BBC Wire articles in the Charge sheet against Siddiqui Kappan? Listeners, with the ongoing arrests of journalists, activists and other members of civil society under the UAPA, it becomes even more important to provide in-depth and comprehensive follow-ups of news events. Here at News Laundry, our reporters strive to report on such incidents, which is made possible only through the support of you, our subscribers. So if you like our work and want us to keep bringing you stories that matter and are not just lucrative for the news cycle, go to newslaundry.com today and hit that subscribe button at the top right-hand corner. Become a part of the community that keeps free and independent news alive. Mizoram Chief Minister Zoram Thanga, while talking to reporters yesterday said that the union government will appoint a new chief secretary for the state who has a working understanding of the mizo language on multiple occasions chief minister has made this demand to the center Zoram thanga informed reporters of his recent meeting with prime minister on 30th november in which this issue was discussed he said and i quote during our meeting in delhi the prime minister assured me that the center would appoint a chief secretary who knows the working standard of mizo language end quote He further stated that due to the language barrier, Renu Sharma, the current chief secretary of the state, is silent in most of the cabinet meetings as most ministers speak in Mizo. This, he said, impedes the official's ability to carry out administrative duties. The current chief secretary, Renu Sharma, was appointed by the centre on 20th October to start her tenure from 1st November. On the same day, however, the Mizoram government directed J.C. Ramthanga to take charge as chief secretary. On 29th October, Zoram Thanga wrote a letter to the Union Home Minister, Amit Shah, thereby objecting the centre's appointment on the grounds that several ministers in his cabinet do not understand Hindi and that some face difficulty in understanding English as well. Meanwhile, Zoram Thanga also said that the Prime Minister assured him of the centre's plan to enable the state government in its assistance of refugees from Myanmar. The Chief Minister said, and I quote, The centre is willing to help, but it cannot directly help the Myanmar refugees because India is not a signatory to the UN Refugees Convention 1951 and its 1967 protocol. Thousands of people, including former leaders of Myanmar, have fled to India since the military took over the country's government following a coup on 1st February. The Delhi High Court yesterday pulled up the police for poor investigation in the Tablighi Jamaat case. According to Bar and Bench, a bench headed by Justice Mukta Gupta was hearing petitions seeking the quashing of first information reports filed against people who had given shelter to foreigners attending a Tablighi Jamaat conference in the city in March last year. During the hearing, the police told the court the Tablighi Jamaat attendees came sometime in March, but there was no exact date as to when they arrived and stayed in the homes of the accused persons. The additional public prosecutor further submitted that the police made inquiries to find the exact dates of their stay, but could not gather the exact information. To this, Justice Gupta replied, and I quote, The new officers don't deserve to be investigating officers. The problem is no investigation has been done in the matter. End quote. Indian Express reported that the High Court also sought to know from the police whether there was any prohibition on Indians from sheltering a foreigner at their homes around the time of the congregation. The judge said, and I quote, If there was no lockdown notification, everybody was free to live. And when suddenly lockdown was imposed, people were static wherever they were. You have to find out that once lockdown was imposed thereafter, if the persons were moving here and there. End quote. Advocate Ashima Mandla, appearing for the petitioners, told the High Court that the police have filed two separate FIRs and two different charge sheets in the case, as one was filed by the police's crime branch. To this, the High Court questioned the permissibility of charging two charge sheets by the Delhi Police. The High Court then directed the police to file an affidavit in the case, and also show whether the petitioners are also accused in the FIR filed by the crime branch. The High Court, in the previous hearing on 12th November, had also reprimanded the police for filing two FIRs and asked if housing foreigners who attended the congregation was an offence. The matter has been listed for hearing on January 4th. The European Environment Agency stated today that the majority of people in European cities live among health-damaging levels of air pollution, despite improvements over the last two decades and a lockdown-induced decrease in air pollution last year. According to the EEA's report, in 2019, around 97% of the EU's urban population was exposed to fine particulate matter above the WHO guidelines, while 94% faced WHO breaching levels of nitrogen dioxide. As per the EEA, this resulted in 37,000 premature deaths in the European Union in 2019. The provisional data of EEA for 2020, which has not been fully validated, suggested some improvements that could be attributed to the weather conditions and the COVID-19 lockdowns that temporarily curb the industrial activities and much of the traffic in cities. Further on, as per the report, hotspots for nitrogen dioxide pollution include Germany and Luxembourg. The EU has said that it will revise its air quality standards next year and thereby better align them with the WHO guidelines.